Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group, and we're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 in Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building, as well as in the Equitable Bank Building in Whitefish Bay. If you have to leave our conversation today, please remember that you can always go to ellenbecker.com. Go to radio shows and you can see the Money Sense radio show. You'll be able to listen to this show on uh, from the from the web if you don't catch it all. My guest today is Jack Kazakowski, and he is with Junior Achievement. And there's been a wonderful study done uh, for 2018 with teens and personal finance, also with college kids. And Jack, you and I had, uh, by the way, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having us on. I told Jack that I actually got to the studio late. I took the wrong turn and went towards Fondulac. So kind of a little bit out of breath, but I don't don't want to rush because this is such a very important topic. And one of the things, Jack, that we had talked about and that I've always done with my clients is I really make sure that they have a well-established and, and a estate plan that is absolutely um, what they want and with their goals and with their visions and the way that they want to pass on to their beneficiaries. And we also put in place an absolutely fabulous um, financial plan. And so up until now, I've been talking to my clients how everything is so organized and 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 done right. But I think that there's been a false sense of security there because what I'm noticing that if you don't add the third piece, and that's having communication with your kids about the wealth or whatever is being passed to them. It can really, um, first of all, disrupt the whole family if everybody doesn't really understand why something's done or if kids don't really understand what your goals and your values were around the money. The best plans kind of fall short if you haven't had that communication, that third piece that really makes it work. And so when I came across your study about teens and learning in school about money. And then you and I talked about college students. If parents aren't also feeling very secure about understanding personal finance themselves, it's hard to pass that on to their children. And so the whole thing you're talking about here, this whole communication and learning about finance really is for everybody. Uh, absolutely, and Karen, I think you're right on in terms of uh, informing kids. I mean, we focus on K-12 uh, education with junior achievement, uh, but over the years, and I- I've been doing this for almost 45 years now, and it's very standard when we do these sorts of surveys that three-quarters of the students say that they get their uh, basic financial information from their parents And the unfortunate thing is, and probably many of your listeners have heard of the cycle of poverty, and I would refer to it as sort of the cycle of financial ignorance, because we have parents who were never really informed by their own parents or got information on their own 
that feel ill-equipped to share information with their own children about managing finances. And so it's come to be what I refer to as the uh, new birds and the bees talk, <laughs> that, that parents are so uncomfortable that they avoid having those discussions with their students. And, you know, Jack, one of the things that I've also noticed, and, and it's men and women, um, and we look at the fact of just people being uninformed about finance. And a lot of times a parent will say, my kids are going to be so happy they're going to inherit this money or they're going to, going to inherit some financial security. But that doesn't always work that way if they don't really understand it and they don't understand how to manage it. And I know that we have statistics that say that, you know, the third generation loses all the money. <laughs> and that's really the kids you're talking about, their grandchildren and their children. Yes, it, it, Exactly. I mean, uh, we really need to start with our kids when they're very young, teaching them about money. And, uh, you know, we go back to the very basics of helping kids understand the difference between needs and wants uh, at a very early age. And a, a great way to do that is uh, whether, you know, there's an allowance uh, system set up in the home or as they get into high school, getting a job and, and helping them actually create a budget. Um, and teaching the kids that, you know, they need to save some money out of everything uh, that they earn uh, and move forward. Because if they don't start at that young age, it's really hard as they get older to instill those very basic principles in them. Do you know, um, one of the things that I learned a long time ago working with clients is nobody likes the word budget. Nobody no. likes it. And so I always talk about cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> How's the cash flow going? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and getting kids to really think about finances at a young age, they, they think of more money, but it's that very beginning stages that makes the biggest impression. Right. And, and sometimes we as parents go about it all the wrong way. Um, you know, we talk about saving for some goal that's so far in the future that it's difficult for a young person to really relate to. And so one of the recommendations that we at Junior Achievement have is that, you know, you start uh, with your children pretty young in terms of budgeting, uh, five or six years old even, with allowances. And as they move up, and they may have a long-term goal, but they should set aside that out of any allowance that there's, you know, money for the short term, whether it's they want to go to a movie or a candy or something like that so that they realize that a budget is really a form of, of discipline. Uh, and, you know, the old saying, no, nobody likes discipline, but everybody likes the effect of discipline. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, teaching a, a young child just to save, say, for a bicycle or something, that when they finally reach that goal, they see it's doable, they can achieve it, that they're sort of in control of their own destiny as opposed to, you know, outside forces having an impact. Do you know what I have found to be, um, I have grandchildren, and my three youngest grandchildren are like 12 down to 5, and the hardest thing that I have found with them is that we really don't work with cash anymore. We give them cash in, in terms of allowances or birthday presents, and yet nobody works with cash. So it's it's really that transition of helping them to understand cash and then everything is checks and charge and um, now you got Vemo. <laughs> you don't have, you know there's so many different ways of of handling money that I think even that's an important subject to cover. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think while technology has really made us, for us as adults, managing money and paying bills much simpler, it has taken away some basic teaching tools with kids um, in terms of saving. There's something about actually uh, having a piggy bank full of cash or, uh, you know, putting money into the bank that they get a sense that they're, they're actually saving something. Jack, what are some of the um, interesting findings that you found in this in this survey that you did? Uh, yeah, Karen, that's a great question. This most recent survey that we did, and we do it every year in April uh, as a piece of financial literacy month, and our good friends at AIG uh, helped us uh, do this survey uh, to get kind of a general sense of how teens feel about money. And so we surveyed a thousand teens, um, and what they said to us is that they do have concerns about money, that about half of those are concerned with paying for college, they're concerned about finding a well-paying job in the future, and then even being able to afford a home. The the one item that really stood out to me, though, uh, was when we asked them about saving for their their future, which are their goals, 75% said that their financial goal for the future was to graduate from college. 50% said create a savings plan. Only 50% of these students said that gaining financial independence from their parents was a future financial goal, which is very different than what we've seen in generations gone by. Hmm. How? What does that mean? Um, when, you, when you look at it, what is there... Do they just not understand the financial independence? Do they think that they can't get there? How did you interpret that? Well, our interpretation, and again, that kind of data lends itself to a lot of different interpretations. Yes. You know, in many cases, these kids are the children of millennials that, you know, we refer to as the boomerang generation uh, because when, when they were getting out of school, there was a weak job market and so on. So a lot of people... Uh, would go in and, and live with their parents. And so, you know, this new generation that we surveyed, Gen Z, uh, I think they actually see a possibility for themselves uh, after being able to move back with mom and dad, that that is a, a viable option that, you know, certainly in my generation and your generation uh, probably wasn't even thought of. Right. Right. My guest today is um, Jack Kazakowski. He is the president and chief executive officer of Junior Achievement USA. And actually, I didn't realize this, Jack, that Junior Achievement is the world's largest organization dedicated to giving young people the knowledge and skills they need to own their own economic success, plan for their future, and make smart um, academic and economic choices. And you reach 4.8 million students yeah, 4.8 million students in the United States and over 10 million uh, around the world. Uh, our Wisconsin operation is one of our largest. Uh, we reach uh, over 165,000 uh, K-12 students uh, throughout the state of Wisconsin and about 70,000 right there in the Milwaukee uh, metropolitan area. And how do you go about reaching them? Well, K-12, most of our programs now take place uh, within the school system. And so uh, what we do is team up a community volunteer, typically a business person, that goes into a school and works with 
the educator in terms of uh, presenting uh, financial information. Uh, but we really focus on three key areas that are all sort of inextricably linked, uh, that being financial literacy, workforce readiness, and entrepreneurship. And so uh, really our, what I would call JA's secret sauce is that community volunteer going into the classroom. Uh, we've seen that they provide a level of inspiration and, and sort of an outside source that's different than mom and dad, different than the teacher. Uh, you know, they're in the quote-unquote real or what I would say the outside world uh, bringing this information to kids and really breathing life into it for them. One of the things that you said a little bit earlier is that I believe it was 75% of these students want to graduate from college. Do you still see out there that college is the um, golden egg that everybody thinks they need to go to in order to be successful or be financially independent? Or are you seeing that some of the schools are looking more at the entrepreneurship or the workforce getting into um, maybe some of the trades? How, how is the world kind of looking at that? I know that when I was long, long time ago in high school, I mean, if you don't go to college, you know, basically they said you won't be successful. <laughs> right. Yeah, Karen, we're definitely seeing a change uh, in that. Uh, moving on to some sort of education past high school is critical, but you know we're hearing more and more about what we would call alternative pathways, that for some students, a four-year uh, college education is totally appropriate. But we're hearing from employers more and more that the skills trades uh, are really crying out uh, for folks to get into that line of work. And, and just through conversations and some other surveys that we've been doing with parents, uh, and I'll lump myself in this own category. I mean, I grew up in a household uh, back in the 60s and 70s where my parents were, you're going to go get a college education. And so when my kids, uh, and I have four ended up going through uh, school, uh, go to college. I was insisting you're going to get a four-year education. And for three of them, it was great. Uh, for one of them, I could have saved him a lot of time and me a lot of money had he gone to a community or technical school because he's in the food service mm -hmm. business, managing restaurants. And so uh, the other thing I would really share with your listeners is that as parents, we need to really keep an open mind because the economy has changed, and there are some great uh, six-figure jobs out there in the skills trades that just aren't being filled and you know, wonderful opportunities for these young people. I think part of what you said is so true is that we have to have a more open mind because I come out of that same generation of what my parents told me, and I think that as I look at what some of these college educations, these kids are, are getting, and when they come out, they can't even get a job warranted enough to pay the school loans back, that it, it really is, I think, important to sit down and really evaluate um, what the child wants and what school to go to before just having this blanket idea. And so many parents say, well, I want you to go to my school. Right. Well, you know, Karen, I had mentioned to you that uh, we've been doing some uh, research on college education with students and what we have found is pretty much right in line with what you're saying is that many students going to college choose their school for all the wrong reasons they choose it because it's where their friends are going 
where maybe where their parents went, uh, maybe where there's a tremendous sports team, as opposed to looking at it as a financial investment uh, mm-hmm. of sorts. So I would uh, just give a shout out to your listeners that uh, there's a free app available uh, either for Apple products or uh, Google products at the App Store, and it's called JA Build Your Future. And it's a wonderful tool for students and their parents to actually walk through what would you like to do when you get out of school? What kind of degree are you looking at? And uh, it's linked to the Department of Labor database. So the students and parents will get a sense for, okay, with this kind of degree, this is the kind of job I can get, and this would be how much money typically uh, I would make in that career. Uh, They would then plug in, do you want to go in-state or out-of-state? Do you want to go to a private school, a public school? Uh, How much money have you saved? Uh, Are you going to work while you're going to college? You plug all this information in, and it actually comes up with a return on investment, letting them know that, you know, based on their choices, this is, and and most kids today are going to end up borrowing money uh, to go to school, but Mm -hmm. this is how long it would take you to pay back a student loan based on the information that you plugged in so that they're really making this, which will end up being one of the biggest financial investments they make from an economic viewpoint as opposed to an emotional viewpoint. My guest today is Jack Kozakowski, and he was named the president and CEO of Junior Achievement USA in 2007. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sets. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Jack Kozakowski. Jack actually was just telling me that he spent many, many years in Wisconsin with the um, Junior Achievement USA. And Jack, I can't, I still can't believe this, that how large this organization is and the amount of students that it reaches, 4.8 million students, and then an additional five. Point two million served by operations in a hundred other countries. I mean, that's that's just crazy. And before we took the break, Jack was talking about college students, and one of the things that I've got two grandchildrens, three grandchildrens that are college age, and talking about money. Even though I'm in this financial world, you would think that they would be absolutely savvy and totally get it, and they don't. <laughs> And sometimes I think, how could I have done it better and and help them to understand? But I think when I was little, Jack, and my parents were going to buy a bike or my parents were getting a new car, we, we heard about, well, we have to save because we want to get that new car. We have to save for that bike. Or I would go to the grocery store with my mom, and she would have money in an envelope that my dad gave her to go and buy groceries. And if she didn't have enough money, she had to put things back. And now with charge cards and with the ability to go get gas so you don't take money out of your pocket, and it's, it's harder to get these kids to understand the value of money. And so, I mean, the numbers don't really register well with them. No, it's uh, you know very difficult. And as we were talking earlier, uh, kids talking to their parents about money is is just a very difficult situation. And I think it just feeds on itself through the years. You know, Jack, when my kids were young, 
uh, my daughter, so it goes back quite a ways. And I'll use her as an example. The first year when she was a freshman in high school, I gave her money every month, and she had to pay for everything. I just sort of sat down, and we made a list together of what her lunch was and the different events that she was going to be participating in, and she was in some clubs. And I gave her that money. And then when she became a sophomore, I gave her money that would last her for three months, for one quarter. And then when she was a junior, I gave her enough money for six months. When she was a senior, I gave her uh, into her checking account and savings account money for the whole year that she had to manage money. And that really worked well because she really did have to put money in when she babysat into her accounts and her checking accounts. She had checks that bounced. We didn't have the time machines really at that time, but it was a good way for her to understand the concept of money. I mean, she was really dealing with the money, but I've tried that even with one of my grandchildren and what worked then doesn't necessarily work now. Yeah. Well, time's and always each kid is different. Each kid is different. Yeah. And they absolutely are. But Doing real things like that is critical. Uh, making it as real and less theoretical is uh, really important to, to get the message across. Well, as I said in the opening of the show, that when I talk to my clients and we're doing their estate plan and we're looking at the amount of money that potentially could be passed to beneficiaries, children, grandchildren, um, and you ask, are they really good with money? I mean, will they be able to manage this? And very often they say, well, you know, I really don't know. I mean, it seems like they spend a lot and they're always doing things or they both work. or, But there doesn't seem to be a lot of communication. Once these kids leave high school and college, they sort of have to figure it out on their own. And and that's uh, somewhat disturbing. I mean, we, we just completed a survey uh, regarding college uh, with teens, and this was in conjunction with Citizens Bank and Citizens One. We surveyed over 1,500 teens, both those that are in high school and then uh, college freshmen. And it was really interesting in terms of how they thought they were going to pay for college. Uh, many of them said that they were going to be working uh, on their own to get the funds or were looking for scholarships. But some cold hard facts is that only one-third of the college freshmen that we interviewed um, had $1,000 saved for college. More than half had less than $5,000 saved for college. And so a very troubling statistic, you know, when we start reading about uh, loan debt and things from students, uh, that, that's part of the challenge uh, with those kids. And we were talking earlier that uh, where kids get most of their information about managing money is from their parents. And in this survey, we saw that a third have spoken less than an hour or not at all with their parents about paying for college. So getting back to your point, that communication between parents and their children. I remember many, many years ago reading an article about the stress that college students feel about money. And I remember when my son was in college, he came home and he had a, a he had a charge card to Victoria's Secret. And I said, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and said, oh, mom, he said they were practically giving them away at the campus. They had a whole line of different 
people that you could talk to. And and so these kids then get charge cards that don't understand it. They rack up some debt that they can't pay, and the parents either clean up or they get bad credit. And But I also read statistics where um, financial issues were a big cause and problem with children in college committing suicide. Yeah, I've seen those same stats, and it's also one of the causes for uh, mental illness amongst adults, or at least heavy stress that leads to other illnesses. It's all about managing the buck. So we're talking about all these statistics where kids really don't have the information that that they need or they aren't interested. Um, you could say that as well. They're uninformed. What do you suggest, Jack, that parents do? And even I would say grandparents, because so many grandparents now are caregivers for their grandchildren. And that can be a difficult situation as well, because very often grandparents are in a different financial situation with than their own children and their parents or that they were. And the grandparents can do so much for these kids financially, <laughs> and they aren't getting the lesson about money and the value of money and how much things cost, because you just kind of go and do and entertain or whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. And in fact, um, a recommendation for parents, because in, in talking to many parents, I know they feel ill-equipped. And, you know, number one, I would tell them that uh, they can get information that will help them talk to their kids at an age-appropriate level uh, by going to our website, uh, Junior Achievement, which is uh, real simple. It's ja.org, and uh, there's some uh, tools and tricks that we recommend uh, talking to kids. You know, for example, talking to kids at at a level that they understand. So, you know, for teenagers, automobiles are still a a big thing. So a great way to approach talking about budgeting and and the cost of things is about paying a car for a car and the ongoing cost of maintaining a car uh, once they have it. Um, saving for college, you know, is a, is another good thing. Keeping it as realistic uh, as they possibly can. Uh, you know, I would share another thing uh, for parents and, and grandparents. Uh, having, and, and this sounds self-serving, but it's, it's one of the few financial literacy uh, tools out there that is so effective, uh, having junior achievement uh, in your schools. We, we have a uh, program at middle school called J.A. Finance Park, which is really interesting. What it does is there is a financial literacy program that goes on in the school, and then for one day the students are taken to an actual physical facility called J.A. Finance Park. And in Milwaukee, there's one right out on Highway 45 and uh, Good Hope Road. So they go with their classmates, and uh, they, as they enter J.A. Finance Park, they're given a life situation card. And it could be something like you're a 25-year-old single mother of one making X amount of money a year. And the students then have to go through this simulation. And it's, it looks like a mall or very Disney-esque. There are storefronts that kids would relate to. Uh, and they have to make decisions about where can I afford to live? What kind of transportation am I going to have? Uh, clothing for my family. And actually create a budget 
that ends up zeroing out uh, so that they're not spending more money that they're taking in. And it, it ends up being a real emotional experience for the students. I mean, it's not uncommon. I've been in some of these facilities where I'll see a young person sitting there with tears. And, you know, my first reaction is, oh, my God, what happened? And as I talk to them, they, they were coming to the realization that they didn't realize the sacrifices that their parents had to make for them is, you know, they were raising them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not uncommon to hear a kid say, when you say, well, what did you learn? They'll say, oh, I'm not going to have kids. It's too expensive. (laughs) And so uh, programs like that, that that put it in a very real sense, uh, is a wonderful way to drive home financial topics. I think that um, as I as I listen to you and I, I think about all the kids, I don't think I've ever had a child go through the program or a grandchild at this point. So that's really very interesting. My guest today is Jack Kazakowski. He is the president and chief executive officer of Junior Achievement. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome to Money. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you are enjoying this interview today, I would say that it's a great interview to let your kids know or someone at your school hear. And all you've got to do is go to ellenbecker.com and go to radio shows and you will be able to see the show that I did with Jack Kazakowski. He's the president and chief executive for executive officer of Junior Achievement, and he was named president and CEO CEO of Junior Achievement in 2007. So you have seen a lot, Jack, in terms of the variety of things that have happened in the world around money, Um, the down markets, the up markets, technology booms. um, So many things have happened, and I think that all of those have a factor on how people feel, look, and deal with their money. And one of the statistics I found in your stuff was 36% of Americans say that they have at some point in their lives felt that their financial situation was out of control. And I would say in that, that often I sit and talk with my clients and they'll relate to something that happened to their parents. My father lost his job. We went through a bankruptcy. He had a company. One of my parents passed away. Um, and then that's a time also where people feel like they're, um, turtles on their back. They don't know who to trust. They don't know who to call. They, you know, their lives seem to be, um, totally financially out of control. And then another statistic that surprised me was that 91% of millennials wish they had a greater access to entrepreneurial education centers. And I know that I've seen a lot of that around where colleges are starting to embrace that and schools are starting to embrace that because they're recognizing, I think, in many cases that college isn't for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, uh, shows like Shark Tank that have become so popular of late uh, has really driven some of that, but also some surveys we've done in the past <clears throat> have indicated that, uh, for example, going back to 2008 with the tremendous downturn in the economy, young people saw their parents who had been loyal to big companies for so many years that because of the downturn were let go, and it really left an imprint uh, on some of these uh, young people. And you know, being an entrepreneur, being in control. Uh, seem to become very important to them. So we are seeing more and more of that. 
When you think about, we were talking earlier about how parents can help their children to take a better look at finances and to help them understand. And I love the idea of that college app where you said it's jabuildyourfuture.com. That's another tool that parents can use. Are there books or is there um, information that parents can get from your website to start to help them to feel a little bit safer? And and I know one of the things I've said to kids and even clients is, you know, I didn't learn this stuff at home from my parents. I had to really go out and search for this myself because I grew up in a home where everything that happened, it would be whatever we say at home, you know, stays at home and we don't talk about money. But I would hear things like, do you think we own the electric company? Do you think money grows on trees? The kids in China are starving. You have to eat. And uh, there was always, always things said about money, but nobody really talked about it. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you know, we've been talking about the, the importance of parents, uh, and that is the first source. The second source that uh, we found out through our surveys uh, that teens turn to is the internet, uh, specifically social media and things like YouTube. And of course, that can be a good thing or a challenging thing, depending upon the reliability uh, of the source. Uh, Because as we've all come to learn, not everything on the internet is true. And so I think parents need to also be a guiding factor uh, with their students as they're researching uh, on the internet to make sure they're getting the information uh, that is correct. But uh, you referred uh, just a bit ago to our, the J website, which is ja.org. And again, I would say that there is a plethora of tools there uh, for parents to access, uh, regardless of the age of their children. And again, uh, age appropriateness is always critical. Uh, the worst thing that I think we as parents can do is to talk over the students' heads uh, when it comes to money because at that point, that's when it becomes boring and and they just kind of tune out. So uh, being equipped with the right information at the right age is very important. And small small pieces. Very small pieces, yes. yes. I just want to clarify on that JA Build Your Future, is that .org or .com? Actually, it's an app. It's and an app. So, oh, that's right. 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 Okay, good. Um when I was talking earlier, I mentioned that when I talk to clients about having a budget, I can just see them look at me like, I don't have a budget. And I think a lot of people don't have budgets, and a lot of people sort of fly a little bit by their seat or their pants. If there's money left, maybe they save it, maybe they spend it, or they pay a bill. Um, and I think it's really hard for individuals today with taxes and schools and all the things to really um, have a good handle and health care on, on their budgets. But when I switched, Jack, to talking about people looking at cash flow instead of budgeting. And that was that whole entrepreneurial spirit. And that's why I'm sort of fascinated with 91% of millennials wish to have greater access to entrepreneurial education. When I would go into schools and I would talk to these kids and I'd say, who wants to own their own business? Their hands all went up. And even if people don't own their own business, it seems like they've got an idea about it and, and they feel interested in it. And so when I talk about cash flow and I'll tell say, you know, 
the reason most businesses fail, 50% of all businesses fail in the first year, and 50% of those that are still standing fail in the next year. Right. And by 10 years, you've only got 1% or 2% of new businesses that are actually in business. Most of those fail because of cash flow. Right, which goes back, uh, again, to your basic premise that if we could d- just teach students about budgeting or cash flow in your terminology, <laughs> uh, it, it's really important. My experience has been that when I talk to knowledgeable parents or business people, they tend to make teaching kids about money overcomplicated. Um, you know, and I, I've come up with really just four basics that if, if parents could focus on this, it would make everyone's lives better. And, and Jack, I'm going to have to stop you because sure. my producer is saying, stop, stop. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get those four um, ideas. All right, great. Thank <laughs> you. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. This has been such a great topic. Please go to ellenbecker.com, go to radio shows, and feel free to pass on this show if you have anyone that you think might be interested. My guest today is Jack Kazakowski. He is the president and CEO of Junior Achievements since 2007, and you've really seen, as I said earlier, all the different markets and all the different things that are impacting finance that's so different than both when you and I grew up. But you did have some suggestions to maybe make things a little bit easier? It's uh, some very simple things that people try to overcomplicate talking to kids about money. And so here's four quick points. Uh, you know, number one is we need to teach kids that they can't spend more money than they make. And the way you teach that is by putting together a budget and uh, kind of going to your principal, Karen, it's, it's cash flow. You simply can't spend more than you're taking in. Now, we could teach the government about that and a lot of other folks, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole other issue. Boy, so, does charging make that one tough, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, number two is out of every bit of money you get, you should save a little bit. You know, whether you call it a rainy day fund or an emergency fund or whatever, should be setting a little bit aside uh, for uh, – situations that could come up. Number three, I would teach kids about credit. You know, credit has been maligned lately and and for right reasons, but I always tell parents that credit is a tool and it's no more than a hammer. If you use a hammer appropriately, it's a great tool. If you don't, you can hurt yourself. And credit is the same thing, teaching students that it's a tool that if they're using it for the right things, if they're not spending more than they're going to be able to pay back, it's a, it's a wonderful tool. Uh, the fourth item that uh, put in there is talk to kids all the time about insurance and you know protecting for a rainy day. The average young person has no clue what insurance is. They may hear parents complaining about paying for it or whatever, uh, but I like to give them a basic premise on that. So I would say with those four basic things, um, parents would really be setting their kids up for the future. And if I had to add one, it would actually come in front of you can't spend more than you earn, and that is you have to equip yourself with the tools that you need to either be employable or to start your own business, learning mm-hmm. about what kind of careers are out there? What do you enjoy doing? How can you leverage with what you enjoy doing with making money? 
Um, and, you know, Karen, you were saying during the break that how much you enjoy what you're doing. I'm the same way. I've been doing this over 40 years, and it's not work. I mm-hmm. enjoy it. So if we could get our young people to find things that they could get paid for that they enjoy doing, what a great gift that is to our kids. The other thing I would add one more, too, that I have learned over time is that teaching children to give back. That is a good one. And in, in, in many different ways. And I find that many people give in different ways, whether it's to their church or a neighborhood or they give of their time. But I, I know my daughter, um, when she was in college, she had said, Mom, I don't have any money, um, but what I could do for you is balance your checkbook every month, and I'll do that for a year. She actually ended up doing it for about 20, (laughs) because I really got spoiled. But the one thing I'll never forget that she said to me, she said, Mom, when I was doing your checkbook, I had no idea how many things you contributed to. And granted, it wasn't a lot of money, but I gave to different organizations that touched my heart and that I believed were important. And I think a lot of parents don't share that they do that. And sitting down and helping your children to understand if you do do that really helps them understand your values. And just at a point like Christmas or somewhere else, if you give your kids $20 or $100 or 1000 or 10000 and you maybe a portion of that, 5% or whatever goes always to something else, um, to a different charity, and you sit down and talk about it with that child, you'll be surprised at how you learn about their value system and the things that are important to them. And it's just another way of opening up the door and starting a dialogue. And I find that kids will really appreciate the idea that they could give back to something that they believe in. And we do it through charities, uh, personal foundations. Um, There's so many ways to do that. And as a grandparent, I do it with my grandchildren. And it has been a great way to um, sit down and um, dig a little bit deeper into values and giving back and appreciating money. It's it's a different way of approaching a, a problem or and creating a solution. Absolutely. And it's a wonderful way to connect with your children. Yes. Kids really do want to know about money. And I think what happens is because nobody really talks about it in a way that they can hear it, they sort of put their head in the sand until they have to. And that's maybe getting out of college and all of a sudden, whoa, I've got all this debt or I have rent or I've got a mortgage or a car payment or, you know, I just was talking to parents that said, I don't know when to cut my kids off paying their cell phone and their kids were 28 years old. Yeah. Yeah, it's like no, we're probably, more, by more now, probably by now, probably by now. But uh, it is a, it, it it can be and is a tough thing. Well, we only have about a minute left. What would you like to leave our listeners with today? The biggest thing I'd like to leave listeners with is to talk to your children about money, uh, about budgeting, earning money, how you spend money. And uh, I know that that is a uh, tremendous uh, challenge for some parents. So, again, I would encourage them to go to the Junior Achievement website, which is ja.org. And uh, if I might, uh, could I give out the uh, phone number for the Absolutely. Local? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, in Milwaukee, you can call area code 414-577-3800 to find out more about Junior Achievement and uh, maybe get it into your children's school. And is there any time when this is appropriate? Is it 
before high school that you have programs, or does it really start with with um, grade school? I think I saw that it's, what were the ages? We go all the way to kindergarten through 12th Okay, grade. so anyone, and maybe there's a way that they can go and see a presentation. Absolutely. I would call that local junior achievement office, and uh, they will take care of you. That's 414 577 3800. My guest today is Jack Kazakowski, and he is the President and Chief Executive Officer of Junior Achievement USA. And if you don't have it in your schools, I'm sure that there's a way that they can help you find out other resources that you might be able to participate in. Absolutely. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great weekend.